I was I was reading your diary oh, the on blog, yeah. the, the blogs, and um, first of all, I, I want to congratulate you on spending the time to do that because the detail and the the sort of the intimate picture that you you describe in, in those of what it's like to go to one of these races is oh, pretty cool. You. It's not just I went there, I crushed everybody, and um, yeah. so that's good. I, I think that's cool. And I wanted to talk to you about, well, first of all, how did you get started in racing? I started by taking myself off on a, a mountain bike holiday um, where I actually met my husband, who was the, the guide. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I thought I was going on a road cycling trip, and I didn't really know what mountain biking was. I just thought it was like a, a bike that you went into the mountains but on tarmac roads. And did when you live I, in the country or something? No, <laughs> I lived in Australia. I lived on the beach, and I just, I, I've always been quite... I like running, I like going to the gym, I like sport mm -hmm. um, and when I first moved to London as a teacher I decided to spend my holidays doing type of like adventures like mm -hmm. walking holidays and just not sitting on a bus going to one city to the next because I really don't like Good cities very much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I met Ian and um, as it turns out I've just... I've I wouldn't say I was a natural, I think my fitness got me through a lot of it, but on that same week there was two downhillers who were, she was uh, a European downhill champion at one point, mm -hmm. um, and they both rode on the British squad, and they actually encouraged Ian to coach me and to, to take me to some races, and about... Because they liked what they saw when I you were think, riding with them? I don't know, or? I mean, I, I, I guess... I really wasn't very good technically, but my fitness, I think, just got me through a lot of the, the obstacles. I just right. didn't have a... I was still couldn't understand the gearing or um, just didn't right. understand right. anything about the bike. Um, and two months later, Ian took me to a race, and I, I won that. And six months later, I, I actually came here and did my first national race. And um, didn't do very well because my um, I fell off and my... my Break broken, but I still ran the course and mm -hmm. just really enjoyed it. And I got hooked after that. And then the following year, I started racing elite, and I was also learning to guide with my um, with mm -hmm. Ian. And we started our own mountain bike holiday company, and it just kind of progressed. It kind of just became yeah. my life, really. It was um, I just sort of I look back, and it was only what five five six years ago that I went on that holiday, and I'm just a totally different person. I think That's now. A, a pretty fast. Mm. So when you started, were you, what did you do for sport at that point? Because um, you, you were fit to begin with. Yeah, m m running, I guess. I, I was, I think, more of an obsessive runner. I mm -hmm. was one of these people that my nickname was Forrest, and I just loved running, and I did sort of half marathon and marathon. I wasn't fast. I just liked the idea of running and seeing how long I could actually run for. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when I when I started mountain biking, that's when the 24-hour racing really appealed to me because I just thought, oh, I could just ride my bike <laughs> and just ride it for as long as I wanted to, really. <laughs> I think you have a special gift in that regard. Well, in my experience, people who enjoy and do well in cycling, off-road cycling especially, do come into it with a lot of fitness mm -hmm. um, because it gives you that you've got the motor already yeah. and now you just have to learn how to make the wheels go where, where they're supposed to. Yeah, I was quite lucky, really, because... I wasn't, since I've started guiding and um, I, I help Ian on, we do a lot of skills coaching with um, people who are new to mountain biking, I, I didn't have time to develop any bad habits. I pretty much learnt um, from Ian and he, Ian and even Cy, I met Cy um, a little while later and Paul 
another guy, John, and they all spent a lot of time with me, helping me with my skills. Um, so it wasn't until a year later that I actually got a coach and started to understand more about the type of training you needed to mm -hmm. do for for mountain bike and road cycling type racing. Where before I just I just right. rode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the skill side of it, it's something which even now Ian is constantly with always got, taking ourselves off and focusing on trying to get more speed out of corners yep. and you know all sorts of different terrain and. Um, my technical climbing is probably my strength um, and I think now my skill is up there with my fitness in fact and I think it's only because we've all, I've always concentrated on both and not just let yep. my fitness um, do the talking um, I, I like to I, I like watching downhillers and watching lots of DVDs and looking at how they ride their bike and right. how they where they get speed from so when we go to to courses we like I like to spend time just getting to know the course and mm -hmm. getting to know the technical section so I feel really confident on it I, I got that out of your blog and I was going to ask you about that because I know people fit women and men who just never quite get over the technical parts of it you know mm. the, the you know you you're you're forced to take on something that you've never done before and that doesn't it isn't obvious to you right off the bat when you're looking down that it's going to work out you know yeah so how do you sort of push yourself off the edge sometimes a lot of the time Ian um, my husband winds me up <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got this very competitive relationship where we've always tried to outdo each other and it just becomes a bit of fun really we're mm -hmm. very um, not competitive in a serious way but I love it if I beat him up a technical climb. I haven't beat him down any descents for a while, but right. climbing, I can sometimes match him. In fact, I won my first um, mountain bike beating him up a climb because he didn't think I could do it. So, I think when I, I mean, doing the World Cups this year, I really felt like I was throwing myself in the deep end and I just thought it was just going to be it was just going to be a challenge just to finish without being lapped and I got hooked because the courses were so technical and I loved facing sections that I was scared on and I knew that if I didn't ride them I couldn't be there basically right. so I think throwing myself in the deep end is how I even though I do get scared and I hate heights it's it when I when I actually get through it I just I don't know it's better than any drug <laughs> it's just that that feeling that um, no matter where I come in the race, I feel like I've conquered something, um, right. and somehow I feel like it toughens me up, and it just makes me that little bit more confident um, going into the next event. I think that is definitely the 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 way the the skill part of mountain biking works, where you build on success a little at a time, and you're mm -hmm. able to, with that confidence, do the next thing that comes along. You know, and, yeah. and as long as you've got respect for what's going on and some technical insight you you know finding the line knowing when you have to get back on the bike that kind of thing yeah then you know but it, but it's there are people who never can get to that point you know mm. they'd like to maybe or maybe they just don't even care and don't want to yeah including quite, cyclists yeah it's quite interesting because um, I mean I've only been riding a bike properly probably well five five years maybe going on six years um, but I come across people who we guide and who we do skills coaching have been riding a bike 20 years and they don't know how to push themselves mm -hmm. and we we usually start with the basics of um, hill climbing descending and cornering and 
they they don't really re they don't know how to use their brakes and right. like they, they say they've been riding a bike for 20 years but I think back then people there was no like any there's no coaching there was no advice I don't know there was I get the impression there's a lot more opportunity for people to to go on skills courses right. these days especially in the UK there's a lot of different companies operating now um, we get a lot of people who've been mountain biking a lot longer than I have and just don't know how to take that next step and I think I've been quite fortunate because a lot of the, the guys I ended up riding with are just so much better mm -hmm. and I think when you're riding with better riders even though you may never be able to keep up with them you do learn you just learn from being right. around them right. listening to them talk about the bike um, listening to um, I mean Ian and Cy and Paul they're all different styles of riders got another guy who owns a hotel where we operate from called Russ and he's he's amazing he used to ride with Steve Pete and he's really but they're all different <laughs> don't type follow of, him, <laughs> no I don't <laughs> but they've all got different styles like they some of them ride bends on their front wheels some of them mm -hmm. you know do this and do that and they just talk about it all the time and I catch myself just trying little things even though it's not exactly what they do mm -hmm. I, I've got to a point I think where I start to like look for different lines and think well that looks like the fastest line but what if I did this and what if I did that and and that's only because I've been around them and I think I think that's how you, you improve like you look at someone like Rachel Atherton around you know she's grown up with her brothers and she, I mean she's amazing she's an amazing rider um, but she's been around you know her brothers who I, I imagine have just you know right. you know urged to do, to you know try things she's in that environment where yeah. she's just getting pushed all the time but there's still that 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 one characteristic in the personality that would make you want to do that yeah rather than saying well no that's for them that's crazy you yeah. know I, I, I don't want to do that or I can't do that or whatever yeah I, I think there is a lot of it mental like in, in like especially I mean I've always said with 24-hour racing, it's not just your fitness and your skill, it's in your head, and I yeah. think you've got to want to do it, you know, if there's no point, I don't know, it's because, I mean, I, from my point of view, I get scared, and sometimes I really don't want to try something, but I know I have to. And well, I read about that in yeah. one of your, your blogs, <laughs> yeah. closing your eyes at the top oh of it. Oh my God, it was, yeah. That isn't the method I would have advised. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't, I don't, definitely don't encourage that, and I guess, um, yeah, I, I really... I really don't know what it is because I'm not I will, I'm not a confident person I never have been but I've also been the type of person you know, I've always felt like I've had to prove myself I mm. I had a dad who was a a professional runner and rugby league player and he was brought up he was a type of guy who there was no such thing as perfection like when I played competitive tennis if I won six loves six one he'd be like what why did you lose that yeah. game <laughs> so I think in some ways I've never been a confident person but there's that part of me that always feels like I've something to prove and yeah. I, I like I like feeling as though I'm learning more and improving even though I never feel like I am but I do feel like there is that part of me and and, and people I've come across who who um, just want to improve I guess it's you have to really want mm -hmm. to do it to be able to I don't know to challenge yourself to it, it's kind of at the base of all of that stuff, you know. If you have yeah. the fitness, the the body that can be fit and be fast, you still have to have that that thing that pushes you. Yeah. Because it hurts sometimes. Oh you know, yeah. You fall off, or you know, at the end of a 24-hour race, yeah. it's not fun, really. No. <laughs> it's fun when it's over, but yeah. it's not fun at, yeah. at the end. Yeah. I. Yeah, it's interesting talking to 
like come seeing some of the uh, the elite girls in the UK and there's there's some good riders and there's been a lot of I don't know if you're aware of it but a lot of um, discussion on some of these cross country forums where they're always complaining that there's never a British girl going to the World Championships or to the Olympics and um, and a lot of the girls feel let down by British cycling and let down by the sport but none of them make the effort even just to go to one World Cup mm-hmm. and just by and I mean it wasn't easy. I was scared out of my my wits I, when I, got I that went. Impression from yeah. The well, I mean, <laughs> but but that's you, reasonable because yeah. that's yeah. that's like the top of the sport. That's yeah. where it really matters. Exactly. Um, and I think you have to you have to be prepared to just take that step mm-hmm. um, and into the unknown, I guess, um, and not just stay in your relaxed little comfort zone because that you know you're not going to progress if you right. do that. Exactly. Yeah. Many years ago, some American motocross racers did that, and they were the first. And they went off out there, and they weren't, you know, they were mid-pack finishers mm. for the first year, and then got better and better and better. And eventually, five years on, they were winning world championships. Yeah. And it took that long for them to understand. But once they put themselves into it, they they had the capacity to learn, and they had the capacity to get better. Yeah. And, and when you, very few people, maybe no no one these days can just step into a sport and be as good as the best in the world. No. It just, it's too complicated. No. And, and, and so it's good. Yeah. It's the first step that you've taken. That yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had a lot of help from so many people. Um, but an interesting comment that when I, the race, the World Cup races, um, I went around with the Australian team and the national coach took me aside and basically said that what you've experienced, and I think I'd, I'd done four World Cups in a Swiss Power at that point, mm-hmm. he said, no coach can teach you. He said, there's only so much I mm-hmm. can pass on, there's only so much a coach in the UK can pass on, and all the other people who support you. Right. But now you're getting to a point where you've, you've done these five races, and you're going to start to realise what it is that makes those girl, those 20, 30 girls in front of you, What? Did, why? Why are yeah. they in front of you? And he was basically saying that what he saw of there was a few of us who were well he said there was two of us myself and another girl who said in two years you'll be top 20 but you have you can't just expect to be top 20 overnight you've got to learn what it takes and he said it's not that it's your fitness or your skill there's just something you learn and you only learn through racing so it's just getting the experience i guess it seems with from what I read of your blog, it seems like getting breakfast dialed in is going to be an important it, step in that. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I mean, I had a problems with my stomach, but I don't think it's dietary now. I was, like, experimenting with food, like, having it different times in the mm-hmm. morning. And and it, I went to see my physio, um, and the national coach actually said he thinks it was a breathing, a br- could be a breathing problem, because um, he was looking at me, and he said, you're very hunched over a lot of the time. And then I went to my physio, and she said it could be breathing, and she was watching me breathe, and she's given me exercises, and she said, as a cyclist, I should be trying to breathe out here, mm-hmm. and she said, you're breathing too much from your chest. But then she did a, a, some tests with my um, vertebra, and she found a twisted vertebra, and there's, I don't know how, she basically said there's research that suggests that you can get pain, like problems with your back, that actually affect your stomach, something to do with the nerves. Mm-hmm. But since I've been working on her physio exercises and the breathing, haven't had any problems so cool. at all. Yeah, it's no, been absolutely really fine. Good. So I was just gutted because that I, I I really should have probably gotten the top 30 that race just by the, the girls I was racing with went on to finish sort of 25, 25th, mm-hmm. 26th. 
and that would have meant I would have been on the Olympic Shadow Squad. And the weekend later, I got 33rd, and it was 54 seconds <laughs> too slow. So, well, you're close, though. That's not. Well, that's it. I wasn't. I'll tell you the truth. I wasn't. I was just thrilled to bits with that result. But um, I just, um, yeah, I just know now that I've got sort of four years for London, and I've just got to see what happens really. Mm. And if it doesn't work out, I'm going to go back to 24-hour racing. So. <laughs> So one step at a time, and well, I, uh, I wish you the best of luck with that. Yeah, works thanks, Keith. The, um, what about nerves before the race? Um, it's funny. I don't get as nervous uh, at <laughs> at races where I don't speak the language. But I was really nervous at Fort William because everyone seemed to know me. I just had all these people supporting me, and but they were positive nerves. It was. I felt like I gained energy. I, right. I try and always think of any nerves as that will give me that acceleration. Right. Um, and I'm usually always nervous um, le leading up to it, but actually once I'm out there, I'm fine. Yeah. I don't seem to suffer. That uh, seems like a really common thing where somebody says, yeah, well, I'm nervous on the starting line, but once the race starts, you know, and I've gotten through the first corners and I'm starting to warm up and get going, yeah. then it's okay. You know, your body sort of shuts down all the... Yeah, I think when I get nervous is when I feel like people have expectations of me. And I don't know if it's because m my dad always made me um, feel like he... He really always thought I could do better, and so if I if I hear someone say, "Oh, you you could win this, Kate," it's like, "Oh, don't you can't say that," you know, because that freaks me out big time. Yeah. Um, and because you know anything can happen in the race, and it's it's I just don't feel like I I perform well when people have expectations. But when I did the World Cups, I I guess I wasn't going in there thinking, "Oh, I'm going to take on Gunnery to Dow." Right. <laughs> I, for me, the challenge for me this year, I had a number of goals. One of them was, my focus was to try not to get lapped, to always try and finish ahead of my number plate. And so I did that. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I managed, the only two races I got lapped in was because of a mechanical and because of my um, my cramping. Um, but I was really pleased with, I was always in the top, I was either first or second Australian when I did finish. Right. Um, and the other result, one of my main goals was to become faster on technical downhills because it's always been my climbing and my technical climbing, I think that's got me through things and I've always been a bit too cautious, well, I, I feel like I just really wanted to be able to ride downhills confidently and to make that, just to improve that really. And at the last race, I suddenly realised that I was actually overtaking people on the descent. Mm. And, in the past, that's never been the case, and I mean, when I did Trans Out a couple of years ago, the climbing I didn't have a problem with, and I was really strong on the climb. As soon as I got to the real long fire descent, I was yeah. just very cautious. But, yeah, you, yeah, I've done that so, race a couple of times. Yeah, those, those, those are really crazy because they you're going are. So fast. And I look at some people who just go tearing down, and I sometimes think you need to train your brain to. It's not that I'm scared of the speed. It's I don't think I can react quickly enough. And sometimes I think maybe I need to take up skiing or something where you can you <laughs> learn know, to process. I was just going to suggest that the the way I have become well, I'm comfortable in those. Yeah. But I've raced motorcycles for a really long yeah. time, and that the sensation of going that fast in corners and feeling for traction and things is exactly the same, almost exactly the same yeah. as what it's like on a motorcycle going really fast. And yeah. So there's I'm not sure I'd suggest that because there's some unhealthy aspects <laughs> yeah. of motorcycles, but it is that 
that crossover in, in, in the experience. And it, without that, just going out on a mountain bike and practicing descending gravel roads at 40 miles an hour is yeah. just probably not a good idea. No. I mean? And not easy to find a place where you can do what it. What I found is when I went out to Australia to race for the first time, which was two, two seasons ago, um, their courses are a lot probably the hardest courses I've ever done because a lot of them are the really fast, not not fire road, there are fire road sections but real loose, sandy, lo really mm -hmm. loose rock. I don't know if you've ever been out to Australia and race. And I realized pretty quickly that I needed to learn how to, to ride in the sand and ride mm -hmm. on fire roads and just by racing there I actually I actually realised it's just a different position that you need to be mm -hmm. on the bike, and I I realised how important certain tire, you know, checking, making sure you had a, a tire pressure that wasn't too hard. Right, and, exactly. And uh, you know, we experimented a lot because I think the first race I went in with like 35 psi in the tire, but the, by the time I left Australia, it was like 25, and right. just learnt a lot from that experience and became a lot more comfortable on that type of terrain. And I think it also improved my riding in the mud as well, because I used to find riding in the mud here just I just didn't know what to do. Right. But it's very much like riding in the sand, and so There's that's some very big similarities. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Did, when you started, and the tire thing, I should probably talk a little bit about that. But we won't trust anything you say because you know I'm responsoring you and all that. Yeah. So <laughs> it's but uh, I come to a race with you know a handful of tires, and if it's a situation where I already know what's going to work. Mm. or where I don't think it really is going to matter that much. I won't mess around with it. But there are places where I'll try, you know, four different tires and try yeah. each one at different pressures to try to figure out which one is going to work. And almost tip always it's wet conditions. You yeah. know, those are the things that really, if you get your tires right, you're really good. If you get your tires wrong, it's going to be a really long day. Yeah, you know? <laughs> definitely. And um, when, where did you start doing that sort of thing? When did you start picking up that kind of... Probably... Probably Australia. I think before then, um, I relied on Ian too much. Well, probably too much. I didn't. I guess when Ian and I went to the race, I was the racer. He was the mechanic, mm. and I just and I was always like, "What do you think, Ian?" And when I went out to Australia, I started to just Ian. I think started to realise that I need to start to think for myself a little bit mm. more. Um, well, you are the one sitting on the bike, so you do have a little yeah. bit more insight into it. And I think uh, because when I first, because I kind of, I basically started riding a bike, and then a few months later I was racing, and I, I didn't really know anything about the bike, anything about what type of questions I needed to right, ask right, right. in, even you know the, su the suspension set. I just sort of left it to him while I kind of dealt with. How I was going to get around the course right. in one piece. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah. There's a lot but to think one about. thing, um, this year has been a real turning point because the national coach, he basically took Ian and I aside and he basically said to Ian that you've got to now step back a little bit and Kate's got to learn just to start making decisions for herself, even if they're the wrong decisions. Mm -hmm. She's got to start to learn from any bad decision she makes. And so, yeah, he's. Um, he he still helps me, but I have to make the decisions. So if um, if we're sort of he likes to sort of service the bike, um, but he'll be the one who say, well, what tire pressure do you want, Kate? And occasionally he'll catch me thinking, oh, what do you think? Because I think this, but I need to know. Mm -hmm. But he won't let me now. He'll make um, you make yeah, and that's yeah. really. And I know I need to do that. I need to. I, I do want to. Um, I joke around with the guys a lot and say, I'm going to be a mechanic one day, you guys can do the racing and I'll be the mechanic <laughs> um, when I retire. But I do, I do want to 
I have a, my mechanical lesson once a week with Ian and I want to get to a point where I can be a female mechanic if I have to be. I want I do really mm. want to understand, you know, I can get with my guide with the guiding, I can do the basics. I can get someone off the mountain if the bike breaks down, yeah. but it's just more the technical side of things. It's when I I help um Cy at the 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 cycle show in London. I have all these guys, mainly, well, it, is, it is always guys, come up to me with all these technical questions. And I'm like, sigh. This is <laughs> the I, worst part of yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I want to be able to answer them. And I was like, I can tell you what works for me and, and how I feel and the experiences I've had, but I want to talk the, the, I want to talk the language. I want to be able to, like, understand all about the, the different geometry on bikes and the different bits and pieces and... <sighs> And just so I can, yeah, <laughs> because sometimes I just feel so stupid, like I should know more. And I'm the type of person, I was always an academic at school. And when Ian first gave me mechanical lessons, he said he couldn't believe I started holding the Allen keys like a pen as I tried to. And well, this is how you hold things. Yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely an area I want to improve on. And yeah, and it's an area which I know if you know it gets to a point where you know racing starts to come second to to guiding it's an area i, I do want to be yeah. able to say to like ian's very good with guests he does bike fit he he helps um people like he'll service people's bikes he'll always make sure they're ready and and in one be able to you know um get up the mountain and get down the mountain without breaking right. on right. the way and very, it's very good yeah. and i i'm like the apprentice i guess but i want I want Rolf to reverse. <laughs> well, he's that, not listening. That's a very ambitious um, goal for you. Yeah, I um, think so, but I like a challenge. That's good. Yeah, it's obvious that you can. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that's cool. Yeah. You, you said your father was a runner and a, a rugby player. Yeah, rugby league. Did, it's it's interesting to, sometimes to see the connection between generations where there's an athlete or athletic parent mm. very often the kids end up being athletic yeah and it's hard to know whether that's nature or nurture but certainly genetics plays a part in that you know yeah yeah no definitely my dad's side of the family every well my pop he also was a professional rugby league player and so was my dad and my cousin would have been um he had he was one of these guys who had all the talent but not the drive mm -hmm. um and I guess in a way, I was always a good runner, but never a brilliant runner. Never a natural, but always good. Mm -hmm. um, and everything I did, I was always, I was always good. Never just a natural, but I was always the sort of person who tried hard. And my dad, I think, was like that as well. He uh -huh. was never, never the best, but he always put in a lot of work. He was quite, in those days, quite small for mm -hmm. a rugby league player. And I think he. He a lot of people said that he was probably better off playing cricket or right. some other sport, and I think he was then driven to um, prove them wrong. And I've, I think I've known some small athletes that dr were driven that way. And, yeah, and I think it's amazing how how much you can do if you just want it that bad. Yeah, and he always, I mean, he always sort of said to me that basically my my brother wasn't so lucky. He my brother's always had a problem with his weight and always. Had, he just was never very coordinated. I seem mm -hmm. to be the one who I really should have been a guy. I think <laughs> in my dad's eyes, I think I should have been a rugby player. But um, no, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and I think 
Yeah, it's quite interesting now because when we went back for the first time, my, I went away just being this compulsive runner who was going to be a, a drama teacher and I came back someone who now races at top level in the UK and now top level in Australia and my dad came to the first national champs I did in Australia and all of a sudden he was an expert he knew it all and he was giving me advice and it was he's just one of these kind of dads who he's great and he's really fantastic but he, he's like he's just he's one of these dads who watches TV and and the rest always wrong he knows best and he's, he coaches from his armchair but it was really quite lovely because I could tell he was actually quite proud of me and where when I was growing up I never saw that mm. where I feel like I this time round I could actually see my dad really proud of what you know Ian and right. I have achieved and that was probably better than any win to tell you the truth right. so yeah cool. yeah <laughs> yeah no family's important very important so Good. yeah do you plan to live in you live in France or you we live, live in, England? in France yeah well we've we've been living out of a suitcase for right. five years we've um I met Ian when he was working in Portugal and then Greece and the following year I was guiding with Ian and we went from Portugal, Greece to the French to Chamonix in the French Alps to back to Greece to Slovenia um, and then we decided to set up our own company so we're based in the French Pyrenees in a place called Luchon, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of Luchon, it's, it's at the base of a lot of the Tour de France, it's climbed mm -hmm. the Col, Col de Perisord and uh, Col de Possium. Um, and we've got a house, a small house there now. Um, so, yeah, I guess the plan is to try and live there, but I, I still feel like I spend just as much time in the UK. So yeah. it's well, a lot of people would would look at your itinerary and not be too sorry for you. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you know it's like anything. There's a it's a yin and a yang. You know, sometimes I wish we could be more settled, but then I know if there ever is a time where we're more settled, I'll be wanting to do what I'm doing right. now and. You know, there's always, sometimes it can, I don't always like the traveling, but then I've met so many fantastic people. I've seen some, you know, great places. Right. So yeah. it's, You'll yeah. know when it's out of your system, but I think you should probably keep doing it. I love it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that how you feel? Because you do lots of traveling around, do you? I feel the same. Yeah. You know, I'm lucky to be able to do it. I enjoy it. Yeah. And I wouldn't trade it for anything, and I'll do it until I can. Yeah, you know? fantastic. Um, well, it's should been we, really nice. Yeah, you too, Keith. <laughs> um, should I?